The king is dead. We grieve for Viserys the Peaceful. Our sovereign. Our friend. But he has left us a gift. With his last breath, he impressed upon the queen his final wish that his son, Aegon, should succeed him as Lord of the Seven Kingdoms. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew House of the Dragon episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today, the kids are grown up. They're little assholes. While we review episode 9, The Green Council, and episode 10, The Black Queen. And episode 10 being the finale, which means we have a lot to talk about. Episode 9 was written by Sarah Hess, directed by Claire Kilner. Sarah Hess also wrote The Princess and the Queen, so it feels fitting. And Claire Kilner directed one of my favorites, We Light the Way. But this episode is ranking a lot lower. IMDb is giving it an 8.6, Rotten Tomatoes an 86%. Whereas The Black Queen, written by Ryan Condal, directed by Greg Yaitanis, IMDb is giving a 9.3, and Rotten Tomatoes a 92%. Well, we did get our answer. They're not going to do the Game of Thrones thing where the penultimate is a punch-you-in-the-face knockout episode. At least for season one. But they did have their moment that I'm excited to talk about with Maylis breaking up through the bottom of the building. I mean, these last two episodes must have been the most expensive episodes. But definitely there was some mixed feelings about Nine. The critics say that episode is a strange beast with a plot that, through relentless propulsion, is driving you away from character development and emotional investment. This is, as we've been saying, it's a lot harder to get emotionally on board with the green side of things, and it just gets more and more difficult. Yeah, so episode 9 was about the greens, and episode 10 was about the blacks. Which is where we get our titles. The greens, originally known as the Queen's Party, were those who supported Aegon II, and the blacks, those that supported Rhaenyra. See, when you say Aegon II, it takes me a half a second to remember, oh no, that's a little punk kid, not... Aegon. Well, that Aegon was never called by any numerals. He was just True. called Aegon the Conqueror. That's going to have meaning when we, talk, when we talk about the crowns later on, but we'll save that for now. On the other hand, episode 10, the critics say, culminating in a spectacular and tragic dance of dragons amidst mm. a storm, the Black Queen is a visually splendid capper to the House of the Dragons inaugural season. And I would agree It's definitely not my highest episode. I think that the critics are on point with that. You know, they went up to a 9.3, but Lord of the Tides, they had given a 9.6. I definitely rated higher for We Light the Way and Lord of the Tides. I think they managed to bring it all back around by the end. I don't know that I agree now with everyone's comments throughout that all of the pacing, all of the questions will make sense by the end of the season. I think I anticipated a little more for a season ender. It was a shocking moment. Don't get me wrong. We lost somebody critical to one of our main players, but I was anticipating we would either see some of battle actually taking place or else we would get to see both of our envoys and what was happening with them. Now, I am hoping they have saved the excursion that Jace went on for the beginning of next season, because if we never see that, I'm going to be really upset. Well, that one's going to take longer. I tend to agree with you. Maybe this one should have been the penultimate, and then the last one of this season should have been the beginnings of the war. Yeah, just not as much action. I thought we would see the start of war here, where it's all still an attempt to avoid it, which 
I appreciate. Yes, and makes sense given that Rhaenyra has just started her reign, is in fact more like Viserys than anyone, including Damon, would have ever anticipated. To his mm-hmm. dismay, we'll get there when we discuss 10, but for the sake of pacing with a season and ending off with this real high excitement note, I think they just could have done a little bit more. Okay. This is not huge negative commentary. I still thought it was a great season one. I am very into it. But it's House of the Dragon. We're not getting quite as many dragons as I thought we would. Oh, well, the last two episodes, full of dragons. Again, like I'm saying, though, we don't really get battle. We see half a minute of Arax and Vagar going at each other, which is not hardly a fair fight. And our comment about not getting a lot throughout the season is kind of manifest in the fact that I had nowhere near a clue <laughs> there was such a size discrepancy between adult and baby dragons. And I don't know if this is canonical or it's being exaggerated for the screen. I would not be surprised if they're making it even bigger of a difference here. Well, I think that's the third biggest dragon around. First, living. No, the first one, they don't know where he is. The, so the largest was, there was a bunch that came out of old Valyria, right? Who were older, bigger dragons ever since they came out of Valyria. They have been growing smaller. We've talked about this. And also once they brought them to be raised in the dragon pit in King's Landing, even smaller than that. However, the ones that they did bring back with them were very decently sized. The largest we'd ever known of was Balerion, the Black Dread. Right. The one that Viserys rode one time. (laughs) And his skull sits under King's Landing. Now, I am not a huge dragon aficionado, but as far as I know, after that, it is Vagar, the one that Aemon's riding. Then Vermithor, the one that... We believe Damon goes to try to subdue at the end of this episode. We also have an older one who apparently lives at Dragonstone who has no rider known as Silverwing. Okay. And then we have Melis, the one that Rhaenys rides. Okay. That's like the old team. But we are going to get into a full dragon breakdown because I had to kind of go through this in my mind as well. We're going to talk about who's on Team Black, who's on Team Green, their relative sizes and their owners, but we'll save that for our closer look. Let's get into our episode and talk first about Episode 9, The Green Council. This opens at nighttime with a shot of an empty throne, empty King's Landing, gray halls, chairs. A little boy walks through and whispers to a woman in the kitchen. Then a maid goes to tell Allison the news. She tells Otto that Viserys passed away. But the night before, with his dying wish, he told her that he wanted Aegon to be king. Again, we talked about this last episode. It it doesn't feel strong enough, Mm -hmm. but they got to get it in there somehow to get the wheels moving. Yep. And she says it's the truth. And she was the only one to hear it. So now we get this crazy scene of the Green Council. They are all there together deciding what happens next. Jason Lannister shares the news with everyone, says, We grieve for Viserys the Peaceful, our sovereign, our friend, but he has left us a gift. With his last breath, he impressed upon the queen his final wish that Aegon should should succeed him. Jason thinks they can now proceed with their long-laid plans and Viserys' blessing. This is the first crack because Alicent, somehow, didn't know they were planning to replace the king's chosen heir. 
I mean, we keep saying this, right? How could you be so naive to what's going on if you're the one who's really been running things while Viserys has been so ill? Mm. Otto the Hand has been telling you since you were a child that once this occurs, it's going to be war. And if Rhaenyra is crowned, they'll have no choice but to come after her children to kill them. It's Aegon who's the rightful heir, and she needs to push that upon Viserys. Denial. So, I mean, it should not be a surprise that they were planning for this eventuality someday. Yeah, she wasn't in control. They already had in mind what they were going to do, the old men. I would have been in the background. I would have been, excuse me. I'm sorry, his last breath. But right before that, still yesterday, he said the opposite to all of us. And then when did he say it? When he was really high and stoned? Right, then the maester should be like, um... BTW, I've been giving him a lot of milk of the poppy, and he does speak up. We'll get to that in a second. First, they go on to say areas that remain loyal to Damon, they'll have to replace them. You know, major houses. Replace them. <laughs> they'll have ravens sent to their allies. The big ones they are highlighting, River Run and High Garden. This is when Lord Beesbury stands up to protest. <laughs> Bless him, he's very old. Yeah, and also take some balls. Because he knows it. It sure does. He says he will not believe Viserys said this on his deathbed alone. This is treason. He'll have no part of it. Kristen tells him to sit down. You're an old man. We've heard enough. Goes over, smashes his head into the table. Whether he was just intending to knock him out and shut him up or actually kill him, the result is the same. He kills him. This man is a reckless POS. I've really had about enough of him. And he's going to be Lord Commander in half a second. Uh, but how good is it going to feel when he dies? I, I mean, I just hope that day comes. For right now, the Lord Commander is still Harold Westerling, an honorable person who commands Kristen to put down his sword. Otto says that the doors are going to remain shut until they finish their business and tries to continue. Jason says Storm's End is a big concern. We get it right here. This is going to be an ongoing thing. Nobody really knows who's going to secure the Baratheons. So they have a plan for this, that they could marry to one of his four daughters. That's going to be a weak point. We see later for Rhaenyra, she doesn't consider the politics enough. While they're going on and on with this, Alicent wonders about Rhaenyra. Otto thinks she can't remain free. Her family will be given the opportunity to bend their knee to the new king. But Alicent's saying they'll never do this, mm. <laughs> you know? So Otto says a living challenger invites battle and bloodshed. They'll have to... Have her killed. Have her kids killed. Whatever line he's going down, she shuts it down immediately and says, Viserys didn't want his daughter killed. She's not doing this. All right. She has some sem semblance of humanity. Some. Realizing that everything her father warned her about, this is what she would do, is everything he's planning to do now. She does not believe this is right off the bat how Rhaenyra would have responded. She would not have actually done this to her. And it's, in fact, Otto's own musings that have been driving this the entire time. Now that's what he intends to do. And she's never wanted any part of that. It's too late, though, now that she's thrown all these pieces in with him and his plan. So Otto tries to command Westerling to take his knights to Dragonstone, make this quick and clean, basically take them out. But Westerling stands up. He refuses and removes his cloak. I'm Lord Commander of the King's Guard. I recognize no authority but the king's. And until there is one, I have no place here. Good for him. Yeah. Now, he was very careful with his words. He doesn't say, I will never be. He said, until there is a king. 
It's weird, though, that Otto is having any other challenger by the end of this episode put to death. But I think Westerling survives? I think the way he went about it was not combative. Hopefully he, su- he survives. They'd probably be following him. So if he went on horseback right away, they'd be like, where are you going, dude? But you even, going join- <laughs> even the lords of major houses who refuse to outrightly swear their fealty to later in the hall, he's going to have one strung up outside of the walls as a message. The other's taken prisoner. We didn't see him mm-hmm. killed, so I don't think he is. Because they would make it a point. They wouldn't just be I like, agree. okay. I agree. And that's, I think, going to be a problem for them later. Yeah, because he'll be Rhaenyra's. Where else are you going to go, right? We also have another huge problem that they discover very soon, that our king-to-be has gone missing. <laughs> we see Helena giving us more and more cryptic messages. She says, it is our fate to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away. And then there is a beast beneath the boards yet again. Now, I immediately thought since she's been going on with this beast beneath the boards business that it would be a dragon kept underground somewhere. Yeah. I guess I had no idea of the geography in my mind that the dragon pit was under what's eventually going to become... The Great Sept, the Grand Sept of Baylor. It's not currently, but it is where they do their pronouncements. It is where they're going to crown Aegon King later. So it's kind of becoming that, a place where the townsfolk can all come and watch important events. I don't know why those two would be in the same place. So I guess I figured if one was bursting up, it would be beneath the Red Keep or somewhere around the castle here. But yeah, you would have to have a lot of space. Also, because I'm dumb, uh, the whole time I was thinking... Isn't that going to hurt the dragon to go through that ground? He's going to have a headache. I don't think so. <laughs> I think he's big and tough enough that it's not even phasing him. But I do think he takes out quite a lot of small folk. You know, Rhaenys doesn't want to kill anyone and start a war. Those are no ones. You I know guess that. the commoners don't matter. And I say that knowing that we would be commoners. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, they don't really pay any attention to Helena now, as they never do. And Otto goes to Sir Eric looking for Prince Aegon. Which one? <laughs> Eric with an E first. Uh, Eric says he doesn't know. Aegon's always evading him. He may have left secretly to go into the city. Otto orders him to find him. He says, take your brother. Take off your gold cloak so nobody recognizes you. Find him and bring him only to me. And this is going to start the split between Alicent and Otto, each racing to be the one to get Aegon back. Isn't that crazy? So they're, right there, there's a little battle going on. Mm-hmm. This Otto character, man, I wish he was already dead. I mean, he's he is the catalyst to all this. Always been the problem. We've said that from very early on. He's just stirring shit constantly. And which refers me back to your question last podcast, where you said, "Why would the king bring Otto back? There's surely a, uh, someone else who is good enough to be anyone else, for, for goodness' real. sake, other than Otto. Have him and Kristen killed." <laughs> yeah. You should never allow these people to be anywhere near power again. It's horrible. And we see Alicent turns to her main man, Kristen, tells him he must find Aegon, bring him directly only to her. The fate of the Seven Kingdoms rests on it, and everything he feels for her, this is what he should utilize. So it's like, Kristen, you're such a fucking loser, man. So now you're in love with her. And Aemond is going to accompany him. They're going to go down to the Street of Silk and see what they can find. Amen of all people. Mm-hmm. Well, he says, he's my brother, and he is right about this, that his instincts might help in this scenario, but we see he's got ulterior motives. He really feels 
Well, Aegon has never wanted this, number one. Number two, he is no fit ruler. Mm-hmm. He's a little brat. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Um, he is the war king. He would be. He is, and I'm wondering this whole episode, is it his plan to take Aegon out should they eventually find him? I'm not putting it past this kid right now because while his brother is alive and around, he'll always be a second, second son. Fiddle. Yeah. So something has been bothering me ever since grown-up Aemond has come on screen. I'm like, first of all, like we said, he looks older. <laughs> he looks badass, uh-huh. but he looks familiar, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Not like he looks like Matt Smith, because he does. Claudio tweeted at us, and he said, It was driving me crazy trying to figure out where I saw the actor playing Eamon previously. Then it hit me. It's Osfirth from The Last Kingdom. Now, you didn't watch that. I did. Yeah, that was it means one nothing of my, to me. Um, and he plays like, uh, I don't know the right words, maybe like a priest with a bowl cut. But that's his face. And I remember him. He was a, he was a lot younger. Oh, yeah. I don't think I know him from anything prior to this. <laughs> but it makes sense because that show is feels like around the same kind of time frame. Mm. Now we see Otto going into the hall to tell all of the fairly larger lords of houses that are there that they once swore their banners to Rhaenyra. They must now swear to the new king. So I get nervous when I have a meeting, when I have meetings at work where there's multiple powerful people. When we start seeing this scene, I'm thinking to myself, before Otto walked out, what was he thinking to himself? Like, all right, I'm going to have to be stern. I'm going to have to try to first get as many people on my side, as many powerful people on my side, before I then turn to, well, if you don't like it, you're dead. To be honest with you, I don't think he is concerned at all. I don't think he has a lot of ethical or moral qualms about this, but I also don't think he's the best strategist because, number one, of course... 90% 90% of the people here are going to say, oh, yes, we swear fealty. Yeah. Regardless of what they plan to do the minute they walk out those doors. That doesn't mean they're going to be loyal to you. It just means they know they're going to get their head taken off if they don't say yes. The wise thing to do is what we see them doing with the Baratheons later, offering marriage packs and alliances. You need something to keep them loyal if it's not going to be just because they believe in your cause, which they don't right now. Yeah, he's trying to rule in fear. And when you rule in fear, the minute they feel like they have enough strength the other way, they'll go that way. And that's what I'm hoping. And you cannot be the side that says we will rule by fear when the others have more dragons. Now, we see that's a little imbalanced, but it's still way in Rhaenyra and Daemon's favor should they decide to use them. This is a bad plan that he's going through. And like I said, I also feel like people are going to say whatever you want to hear in the moment. Obviously, there's a few who dissent. He says he's not allowing anyone to leave without declaring their intention. Right. Okay. So I intend. (laughs) Um, There's one man there who says he's no oath breaker. He won't bend the knee. And a woman from House Fell. All else kneel. There's one potential kind of protester and he he does his thing. But the one who's saying he's not going to kneel is the one we later see strung up outside. And that's the one that was talking to Renera in the hallway when she was walking up the stairs after just is having a baby. Is that who that is? I believe so. I'm not oh, 100%, no. but I think so. Okay. I knew we would see him again. Yeah. Well, the Kingdom Lord Caswell represents, if they hear word of this, they'll back Renera. hopefully. Yes, that's true. So that's his play, but also he runs into Larys, and we've been wondering when this is going to start bubbling up. He tells him he noticed he's been spending many hours lately in the company of the Queen. Sort of, hint, hint, I can see you've been loyal to her. Do I need to be worried about you? Because I'm actually noticing you for the first time. But Larry plays this very smartly. He thinks, he 
yeah, you know, I have, but there's no reason I can't benefit the hand now, sir. Like, what can I do for you? And then we go off to seeing our split search for the future king. In Flea Bottom, the twins enter a building where there is a ring of fighting kids. Man, this is just... We didn't know this was going on. Apparently, they grow their nails. They file their teeth down. The adults do this to the kids. They have no choice in this matter. They go it, in there. They fight until they're wounded, killed. Who knows, really? It's cockfighting, but with With kids. kids. My goodness. And we find out, as if there wasn't enough depravity to Aegon, he comes there many nights to watch these sure. fights. I mean, this guy, he's miserable. He's a drunk. He's going to find the he's wrong people. He's a rapist. People. He's a rapist, yeah. He's not good people. And... Eric even says it to his brother. Now, it's clear they have been a little bit split on their opinions, but nothing major until now. Throughout this search into the end of the episode, it's going to divide the two brothers apart, which is interesting. I have to tell you, Jason, when we did our closer look on the two of them, I swear to you, I knew none of this. Yeah. I did not have any idea what was coming, but I'm so excited. This is an interesting side storyline for oh, these yeah. characters. Definitely. So Eric says to his brother, do you see now what he is, meaning Aegon? Uh, because another thing they notice is a kid running around that looks an awful lot like Aegon. And he says, one of his bastards, I'd wager, one of many. So he's down here just fathering other kids he has nothing to do with. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. And, and he says that. We're looking for a man who's never cared about his birthright. That's where we later see Aemon saying he's the one that's trained, should be given a chance. He's telling Kristen, I'm next in line, and should they come looking for me, I intend to be found. What's important to note here is a messenger comes to them from the White Worm. She says she can tell them where Aegon is for a price, but she will only speak directly to Otto. So we cut to Otto meeting with Miss Arya. Well, what does she want in return for this information? She wants an end to the savage use of children in Flea Bottom. Nice. Okay. She says she knows they all take bribes to look the other way, an obscenity that's tolerated by the crown. She has Aegon, he's safe somewhere, but she's only going to give up that information if he does away with this. But now, Otto promises he'll look into it, and she gives this up for that? I mean, that's not really any kind of endorsement he's going to do something about it. Um, That's the best she could get, because if she presses any harder, his men will just grab her. And be like, or we could just kill you. But they can't if she's the only one who knows where Aegon is right now. Because they have no idea. She says he's being kept in a safe place. Don't worry about it. If they would ever find him. This is the best leverage she's ever going to get. She says there's no power, but what the people allow you to take. So this is an important piece of wisdom that she's passing on to him. It's like when we saw Rhaenyra and Daemon go into the city. Mm -hmm. And Rhaenyra was saying, I don't care what the common people think. He's like, no, you have to look around. These are the people you serve. If they don't go along with this, this is going to cause huge trouble for you. Sure, you can try ruling by fear, but what are you going to do? Just take everyone out? Be queen of the ashes? I mean, we've seen that commentary later on in Game of Thrones. Well, this might be setting up the fact that Otto does not deliver, and then the White Worm ends up helping Rhaenyra out. He's turning a lot of potential allies into enemies. I could see that being true. Yeah, you got to think of this season as a lot of little seeds that will come back later. Yeah. After this, we go back inside the castle where the Silent Sisters prepare Viserys' body. And Allison goes to see Rhaenys. This is a really interesting conversation. They've been keeping her locked up inside of her room (laughs) since the news. Nobody's come to her. Immediately when Allison walks in, she realizes you're usurping the throne. 
right? That's what's going on here. So Alicent tries telling her it was my husband's dying wish, whether you believe it or not, to crown Aegon. And she came to ask for her support. She knows she's long allied with Rhaenyra, but what has that gained her? Sure, as women, they don't rule. They can't rule. But they can sit behind the men who do and guide them gently. And boy, is that the wrong thing to say to the queen who never was. Sit behind the men and support the patriarchy? That's not what Rhaenys wants to hear. That's not what we're about here. She says she's wiser than she thought, but uh, this is not a good proposition. And yet you toil still in service to men. Your father, your husband, your son. You desire not to be free, but to make a window in the wall of your prison. Have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? I think she half expected this to be what Alicent said. She's realized her father's an ass. This is all horrible. Aegon's not fit to rule. Why doesn't, if Alicent really thinks somebody else should be in charge here, she try to take control. And the minute that Rhaenys realizes she's got no intention of doing so, she's like, oh, you're just going to fall back into the same old patterns. You're going to crown this kid because he's a male, even though he's the worst. You toil still in service to men. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, in Game of Thrones lore, she will die. But I think she's the <laughs> she's the strongest, most capable woman in this story so far. Well, and I love what she says to her. Puts it such a good capper on it. Uh, I should say character, not woman. Rainy says, you desire not to be free, but to make a window in the wall of your prison. Mm-hmm. It's, it's perfect. That's exactly right. I have mixed feelings about Rainey's next episode, but we'll get to that eventually. Allison says to her, all, all this stuff, you know, you can have Driftmark to pass on as you see fit. I already it's, have it, bitch. Right? It's still yours. Oh, by the way, I'm holding on to your dragon for the meantime. Jesus. Maybe without it, Rhaenyra will negotiate with us. You just keep digging yourself into a deeper and deeper hole here. You know nothing, don't you? So Rhaenys doesn't respond. Allison leaves saying they'll await her answer. And back to the castle, pretty much having concluded that this search is going nowhere, the twins discover Aegon under the stone statue. While bringing him back, this erupts into the two sides against each other. Kristen attacks Eric, Aemon holding on to Aegon. The brothers and Kristen eventually are going to come to a peaceful resolution, but the real trouble here is, like I said, we're wondering what is Aemon going to do to Aegon? Aegon clearly realizes this is an issue, and he's telling his brother, pleading, he has no wish to serve. He's never wanted to do this. Let him go, and he'll sail away on a ship, never to be found. I'm almost thinking to myself, guys, this is the perfect solution. I think he's serious. He hates this life. Let him leave. Not that I think that Aemon would be better, but it's one less problem. What are you going to do now? You just made all these people swear to the rightful king that Viserys had this dying breath about Aegon, none of this applies to Aemon. So if you go try to crown him now, you are clearly grasping at straws. Who's going to buy into that? You have no leg left to stand on. Uh, But they don't take that route, and Kristen grabs Aegon, and they go back to Alicent. So Alicent has won this round. After that, she goes to Otto, and the two of them have it out a little bit. Well played. None of this is a game. And yet you treat it as one. The charming contest, the prize, a pouch of silver. We've relied on one another these many years, and now it is the good of the family that we both desire. 
Whatever our differences, our hearts remain as one. Oh, our hearts were never one. I see that now. Rather, I've been a piece that you moved about the board. If that is true, then I made you queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Would you have desired it otherwise? How could I know? I wanted whatever you impressed upon me to want. And now the debt comes to you. A debt you are happy enough to pay. A sacrifice. A sacrifice made for the stability of the realm. No king has ever lived that hasn't had to forfeit the lives of a few to protect the many, though I understand your squeamishness. Reluctance to murder is not a weakness. I have they gone. We'll proceed now as I see fit. We will send terms to Rhaenyra on Dragonstone. True terms, such that she may accept without shame. If she lives, her allies will mass behind her banners, looking for her return. Then she must not return. My husband would have desired this mercy be shown to his daughter. Your husband? Or you, his daughter's childhood companion? Kristen Cole will be named Lord Commander of the King's Guard. My son will be anointed tomorrow at dawn. The whole of King's Landing must witness his ascent. He will assume authority. There will be no more dithering. My son will take the crown of his namesake, the Conqueror, and carry Blackfire, his sword. Let the people remember the ancient strength of House Targaryen. So it seems like every small little tick that Alicent takes upward, another one of these snakes in the grass comes out, bites her at her ankles, takes her back down another notch. And the father is the biggest one, obviously. All these issues, everything that's happening, or all the things that Viserys tried to ignore because it was too hard, it was too combative. Or stop them from happening. What he should have done while he was still alive is set up all the pieces, not think that just because of his words the pieces will go into place when he was starting i was gonna say when he was starting to get sick he was starting to get sick episode one when things started to get dire he should have talked to Rhaenyra, have her come back and say i need you to be the face at this point i'm still the king i'll be in the background but we need to establish who you are they need to see you get your respect because when i pass away it needs to be already a done deal in everyone's eyes that you're next. Well, people are saying once Viserys was looking for a new hand, rather than bringing Otto back, who he knows is the worst, he could have made Rhaenyra a hand. That sends a message. She is at my right-hand side. I'm training her up to take over one day. She's helping me make decisions about the kingdom. But I go all the way back to what I had said when she was younger and they were going on the royal hunt. And she was the one who saw the white stag. Yep. He, he should have been putting it out to the kingdom then. The reasons why she'll be a good ruler someday. Promoting her. They heard none of this. The people didn't know what to think about any of that. So, of course, they don't support her now. They don't know her. Basically, we're saying he didn't have the political acumen. Yeah. There's never been a female hand. So, right away, you break those boundaries. Break the laws, right. And then it's a little easier to break the boundaries that she will be queen. Yeah. He should have thought of all this. He should have. He should have put done the anything. In place. <laughs> We've said that before. He should have done anything to facilitate this happening. But anyhow, we come back to bad fathers and their bad advice. With Otto seemingly dealt with for now, but it's not the only problem Allison has. And this is one that we didn't realize the extent of. We knew how weird Laris was, but man, is it about to get worse. He's waiting for her back in her chambers. Hmm. We've seen that happens a lot of nights. We thought they were just there discussing secrets, politics, whatever it was. Turns out, in exchange for his information, she's been giving him something else. Her usual payment, 
She starts by removing her shoes and then her stockings and then her feet up on the table. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Now, it kind of makes sense that he would have a foot fetish because his feet are all jacked. Yep. In the same breath. It's awful. She's the queen. She should have been like, listen, bitch. What do you mean? How about you tell me this or I kill you? Yeah. How about that? I thought you were on my side. If you're not on my side, you can bounce. You can fuck off or I'll... Actually, you're too dangerous. Yeah, I'll just kill you. I'll just kill you. I mean, sure. There's a lot worse that could have gone down here. But the degradation, the position of disrespect that he has clearly been putting her in does not help her in this power dynamic. You know, he is seeing that he can keep playing her. And then, as we notice, go back to Otto and say, I can serve you too. Just show me your feet. He's He's getting what he wants where he wants it. And he also tells her, there's a web of spies in the Red Keep. In fact, Otto knows, and he's kept it in place. More than once, it's proven advantageous to feed the weaver, we believe, meaning the white worm. And one of the spiders is her own Lady Talia, the handmaid. But there's more, many more. And the only way to destroy Otto's advantage is to take out the spider at the head. Meaning, I think, we got to kill the white worm. So that's all culminating into season two awesomeness. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think the white worm is going to wiggle her way out oh, of this yeah. one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also that night, Eric sneaks into Rainey's room. He says, I cannot let this treachery stand. No, we cannot, sir. Telling her they must make their way out of here toward the river and find a ship before anyone can realize she's gone. I am thrilled at this point. Hell yes, yeah. let's stage a breakout. Uh, on the way through the streets, though, we're getting more and more nervous because a swarm of commoners starts to overtake them. Rainey's is separated and moved forward with the crowd. But I'm immediately okay because it's clear she has her own plans now. She's going to be fine. She can take care of herself. She actually blends better this way. I mean, internally, I'm wondering, why are you not running towards the water? Get away. This is your chance. But then, you know, we're going to realize really soon why she went back. Smart idea. Well, she makes her way on the streets. Inside, Alicent rides in the carriage with Aegon, trying to prepare him for this moment where he will be crowned king. Aegon is not feeling any of this. He says his father never wanted it. This can't be true about the dying breath thing because for 20 years he could have changed his mind, but he kept to Rhaenyra as successor. He's saying what we're all thinking. Mom, you're full of shit. He didn't want it to be me. Uh, But she's trying to tell him, listen, you're not hearing me. This is what we need to do. You're supposed to be my chip on the board right now, right? You have to reject Otto's advice to kill Rhaenyra and her children. Keep your own counsel. This isn't what you want to do. It's not what I want to do. After all of this, he turns to her and asks, do you still love me? Oh. Oh, this is a lost cause, man. Yeah. This is the son you're going to crown king. Uh. So the crowd of commoners is brought into the hall where Otto announces, it is a sad day. Yes, Viserys the Peaceful is dead, but also a joyous day because with his final wish, he decreed his firstborn son, Aegon, should succeed him. And Aegon reluctantly walks through the pronouncement up to the stairs, kneeling for the Septon to anoint him and Kristen to crown him. There's a long moment of silence. The commoners are doing nothing. <laughs> and then I think they realize their place. They start to clap. A cheer goes up and we actually see Aegon get kind of into it. For the first time. More than kind of. He's recognized. He's adored. Oh, boy, this is going to be an issue. And he's like, I'm going to fuck every single one of you. Oh, man. (laughs) 
Um, before that moment can last very long, though, the ground underneath them explodes and out rises the dragon Maylis, ridden by Rainies, who left midway through, made her way downstairs, found him, burst out right at the right moment. Awesome moment. They're doing really well with giving us those moments, you know? And, and this looked incredible. Yes, it did. And I love how angry these dragons are. She's sitting up there looking so fierce, the two of them staring right at it's all the enemies on the stage in front of him. One Dracaris. Do it! Could have taken out. Fucking do it! Allison, Aegon, Otto. All of them. At, but there's also Helena. Who cares? Who's innocent. Point. Well, fuck. <laughs> and I, she's watching and you're thinking to yourself, is it that? The fact that there's kin of hers there who aren't involved in this that would have to die. She would be a kin slayer, which is not what she is. Is it that strategically, maybe this doesn't make sense? I mean, Rhaenyra would never want her to kill all of them. So going back to her as her ally saying, I toasted them all. I don't think she's going to love that. But also what she says later on, it wasn't my war to start. Yeah, and that makes sense, I guess. But they just had you locked up. <laughs> the way, If you watch it again, the way Helena kept looking at Aegon and everything, we know that she's had prophecies. She knows what's going to happen soon. It's going to turn out to be, the more we get to know her, the more interesting she's going to be. And I think it's going to turn into everyone in her family is going to ignore her. And she's going to be trying to tell them what's exactly going to happen. It's already happening. But if someone were to listen to her, we see later in the next episode how frustrated Damon gets when Rhaenyra brings up this prophecy. And again, that's a critical point we'll talk about when we get there, I think partially because he's heard enough of this from Viserys. The dreams are more important thing and I get visions. He thought... Rhaenyra was going to be dragon queen, like him, let's take some action, not, oh no, it's my brother again, yeah. who believes in all this nonsense. But she knows that there are some of these things that need to be listened to, that this could be very important. So if she were to hear Helena at some point, I keep going back to every weapon the green side is potentially turning away from themselves could be something for the black side if they acknowledge it. If somebody hears what this kid's going on about. Yeah. Anyhow, that's how we end the episode. Great way to end it. Rainey's doesn't toast them all. She flies away, badass on her dragon. It would have been great if someone on that stage went, I just pissed myself. It just would have been like a nice, funny moment. They don't really go for funny in this There's one. no jokes. Let's take a pause here and make it official for our Dragonfire rating. What do you give episode nine? Well, Chris, it's getting a little difficult now. I enjoyed watching it. Things are finally getting real. I'm angry at people, but they want us to be angry at people because it'll mean so much more in season two and three and four when they die. And I've been going up these last couple of episodes, but I'm going to go down a little bit mm -hmm. and I'm going to go to a... 8.7. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I've also been going up super high. <laughs> I was at a 9.4, my <laughs> highest ever last episode. I'm going to go down to an 8.6. Okay. 8.5, I gave the opener. I like this better than the first episode, but not as much as, let's say, King of the Narrow Sea. Yeah, I'll split the difference and give it an 8.6. What did I give for my first episode? 8.6. Okay. I think... That's good. That's yeah, I feel good about that. All right, then let's move forward to our finale, episode 10, The Black Queen. 
We open here on Driftmark with Luke telling Rhaenyra he can't be Lord of the Tides and doesn't want it. She tells him we don't choose our destiny, it chooses us. And also confesses she was frightened to be queen someday and learned she would have to earn her inheritance. This is foreshadowing sadness later that Luke doesn't really want to be involved in any of this. He's going to do whatever his mother asks. And during this exchange, Rhaenys arrives on Dragonback to bring the news that King Viserys is dead. Princess Rhaenys, might we hope for news of Lord Corlys' recovery? Viserys is dead. I grieve this loss with you, Rhaenyra. My cousin, your father, possessed a kind heart. There is more. Egon has been crowned as his successor. <laughs> They crowned him. How did Viserys die? I could not say. How long ago? The day passed, perhaps two. I was made a prisoner in my quarters while the Queen made her preparations. Viserys has been slain. Alicent demanded you declare for Aegon. She did. I refused her. And yet you are alive. The High Septon crowned Egon in the Dragon Pit. I witnessed it myself just before I fled on Melis. They crowned him before the masses. So that the masses would see him as their rightful king. That whore of a queen murdered my brother and stole his throne, and you could have burnt more for it. A war is like to be fought over this treachery, to be sure. Mm. But that war is not mine to begin. I only rush this warning to you out of loyalty to my husband and to my house. The Greens are coming for you, Rhaenyra. And for your children. You should leave Dragonstone at once. So a couple things. Let's do a counter. That's one Bing. death for a Rhaenyra loved one so far in this episode. So keep that in mind. If I was Damon, now put me as being Damon so I can be an asshole. When Renice says the greens are coming for you and your children, you should leave at once. I would have been like, duh, we saw this coming years ago. Yeah, Rhaenyra is going to have quite a lot to deal with, especially in this next scene where we see her go into premature labor. They say it is very early. Her term is far from complete. There's a lot of blood and pain. Is this brought on from stress? Like you know, you're a doctor. Sometimes that, well, no, sometimes it can trigger you know, this pregnancy was probably not going to come to full term for whatever reason, but it seems, yes, her emotional state, everything she's been going through could have triggered it. You know, I want to say a quick word on this here because we're going to get to that part and we won't describe it in detail, but Rhaenyra endures this horrible stillbirth. I don't know if a lot of people know <laughs> the details about things having to do with these types of pregnancies or what some women have to go through, but a lot of times if you are this far along, you basically are going through an entire labor, yeah, right? So it's not like this just happens. You have to deal with that whole process of it. And then the child is just born, stillborn. And we see that really both in a lot of detail that's very disturbing. Yes, what Rhaenyra is 
able to do. She's such a strong woman. She is simultaneously trying to not lose this position that she has fought so hard to gain. That I don't think Damon's really trying to usurp her here. It's not like he wants to be ruler. No. But he feels like they need to move forward with these battle plans. They don't have time. And he wants to act aggressively. Mm Mm-hmm. So at the same time, he's not really listening to her. He's trying to plan for war, and she isn't able to be there. Physi- he's not there for her. Right. Asshole. Physically present to say, wait, we're not doing that. I'm the one in charge here. You need to let me give the orders. She's going to go so far as to try to send Jason Luke to deter him, because what else does she have to her at this point? And I'm proud of them. They did try. They did. They're so clearly ineffective, because it's Damon. But they do their best. She's doing her best. She's managing this labor all on her own. The midwives are there trying to help her, and she's sort of like, I'm taking care of it. Yeah. Step back. So a lot of people have been upset, complaining about this scene, how this is too far. We've had to see too much graphic detail. So soft. It's so gratuitous. Not even that it's soft, but, you know, the issue here. (laughs) No, they are soft. Yeah, but that's not even what I mean. The issue here is... These people are saying, this is gratuitous. It's too much. It shouldn't be on there. We've seen enough because there's been enough labor and deliveries. We get it that the childbed is war for women. Why do we have to see all that? It's disturbing me. Again, conflating, this is tough for me to watch with, it shouldn't be on TV. And I would really caution to slow down and move that line. I heard another podcast putting forth the same point, and I think it's very strong. It's important to talk about. You do need to see this, yeah. right? This needs to be there because the fact of the matter is women did go through this. It looks like this and a whole lot worse. Mm-hmm. They're actually sparing you a lot of what we could see for a terrible pregnancy or what might happen. And women still go through it today. It's still dangerous to have to give birth to a baby. A lot could go wrong. And those women, on top of having to view it themselves, do you think they want to see this and have to go through it? It's traumatic for them. You see a lot of times the partner is like, I can't deal with this. I'm not going to be there, leaving that person alone. And now they're pretty much silenced by the rest of the world that's telling them, well, that's too difficult. We don't want to see that, so we shouldn't show it on TV. So they're not able to tell their story. Again, thinking like this is a taboo subject. And I think that the writers and the showrunners are doing a really good job of highlighting This is reality. Mm -hmm. And these women shouldn't have to go through this silently and not talk about it because it's tough to see. These people that complain and bitch about these types of things, how do they deal with their own real world things when it happens? Are they going to be like, nope, time out. I can't. No, this is too much for me. Well, but and that's basically what Damon's doing. And I don't have a lot of mixed feelings on his reactions here because we don't know exactly where he stands. We'll get to that in a minute. Is it his own trauma of having lost Lena so recently, what they went through, their child? He's having an internal struggle. Part of me thought that when he first saw her. Uh, I don't think he's good at that stuff. Right. That's what it is. And now he's got his own trauma on top of that from his previous marriage. Part of it is to do with ruling. I think it's a lot of mixed stuff going on for him. I don't think it's as simple as I can't deal with it. I think what happened was Damon was like, this shouldn't be on TV (laughs) and I'm leaving (laughs) and I'm writing to HBO. Well, and so people said we should have been warned about this scene. And now I go to, guys, this is Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, (laughs) right? They're going to show stuff that's going to be hard to watch. You need to know that going in There's a rating in the beginning. Nudity, violence, death. But on top of, like, we're aware of the show now, right? So mm-hmm. some people might not be able to watch that, but I would say then this is not the show for you. Yeah, because then the next clip 
HBO says, feel free to have your five-year-old watch this. Well, just kidding. please don't have your five-year-old watch it. But I did write into HBO because it was too hard for me to see a dragon die. That was too much. And I was like, hey, I want everything to be perfect and happy. Well, Jason, you joke, but I know you have difficulty with I these do animals die on screen. For real, but I'm not going to bitch about it. <laughs> not that I want this to turn into a bashing session, but I want people to take this seriously. Because if it turns into A, a joke, like what you're saying, or B, one side bashing the other, everybody stops listening. Just to say, if you find this troubling, you don't have to watch. Please Mm -hmm. don't watch if you feel like you can't deal with it. That doesn't mean the show shouldn't be putting it on or they're doing something wrong or it's gratuitous or it's extra. It's not. It's important to this storyline. It's Mm -hmm. a reality of life then and life now. And we have to feel what she's going through. And I don't think it's for no reason. They're not doing it for shock value. No. This is an important part of the story. Before we get the bad reviews, because I had a strong opinion. And if you have too strong of an well, opinion, so do you get I. bad reviews. Uh, I'm not joking, but I'm also being a little hyperbolic, just for the sake of the podcast. Obviously, there's gentle people in the world, and I feel bad for you, but it's all. But you can't take that to, like, the show is mismanaging it. Right. No. And you can't... I don't like it, so please don't show it. That's not... Yeah. That's not a fair equivalent here. This artist is still allowed to discuss these topics that he thinks is important. And I think some women who have been through such a trauma, such a tragedy, not that they would like seeing that on screen, but would say, thank goodness somebody is finally talking about this. Why can we see on this show men's heads cut in two with tongues lolling out and we're cheering saying, oh, this is amazing, but we can't see what happens literally every second of every day with women who give birth? Yeah, you're right. And I think it's important we do get the reactions of everyone here, right? The varying degrees of this is not an easy thing. I give so much credit to her sons, too, who are watching her. Yeah. Very obviously struggling in so much pain, trying to listen to her. They probably want to run out of that room right now. For real. <laughs> uh, not to mention that's ding number two of deaths yes. for Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra's now, child. Now, we know Viserys died last episode, or two episodes ago, actually. But this is her first knowing, so yes. I'm counting it as this episode. She's lost him. So that's two right also, away. Also, I didn't read the books, but I heard that this was going to be a girl, her first and only. Oh, my goodness. And somehow she, I don't know if she had an inkling or the maester told her that's what they thought, uh, but she was sort of planning on that. Ugh. So This is tough, man. So much at once. This is really hard for her, but they do hold this small funeral where they're trying to recognize that Damon is there for that. A bunch of their people are there. And then it shifts. There's so much emotion in this scene. You're so upset. You're also feeling so strongly for Rhaenyra. Like, she's an amazing person. She's dealing with all of this. You're already on a high for her. And then Eric arrives. What a moment. Eric or Eric? And I'm not joking. Eric, I think, is the one. No, with an E. Oh, okay. He's a good one. On our team, I think. I think. Uh. I have it as E. Okay. On our team. We'll just keep consistent. He brings her the crown of the series. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute because... I tingled a little bit. Yeah. Even seeing it, it looks so beautiful. This is a crown her father wore. And before him, you know how he's always talking about Jaehaerys who maintained peace for so long? Mm-hmm. They called him Jaehaerys the Conciliator. It was his crown. So that's what Eric's giving her. The one Aegon was crowned with. Now you might say, well, then what the heck was put on his head? This was 
Aegon the First. Aegon the First, the Conqueror, originally when he acquired the Seven Kingdoms, then after him, Magor the Cruel, the kind of first in that line that we hear about, it's a black iron crown. It's important to see how the two teams are even crowning their person differently. <laughs> but a uh, smooth move on Eric's part. He did good. I swear to ward the queen with all my strength and give my blood for hers. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. I shall guard her secrets, obey her commands, ride at her side and defend her name and honor. He brings it to them, he swears his fealty, and then Damon takes it and crowns her, kneeling to her, after which the others follow. And I think this is a sign of, yes, I want to be part of this, I want to work with you, but I am recognizing you as the person in charge, and I want everyone else to do the same as well. Even his attempt, which, typical Damon aggressiveness, when he takes the kids out before that, oh, yeah, Jason, okay. Luke, and he says, watch, I'll show you how you get control of your people. Yeah, and he's like, Jason, Luke, this is co- this scene is costing a lot of money, so pay attention. <laughs> pay attention here. You're going to swear your fealty to Rhaenyra. That's what you said, but you're going to continue your pledge. And just let me know right now if you're lying, because let's not go through the bullshit later. I'll just have my dragons roast you. And I get that. <laughs> I, I don't think that was too far. I don't have time to fuck around. Yeah. Here we go. You win or out. Make the choice. And if you're out, he's going to let him go, I think. No. No, he's going to have his dragon take okay, care of Okay, yeah, it. that's fine. Uh, but what did we notice during that scene? Damon's neck. Right. No yeah. one, no one has talked about this. I've not read one article or heard one podcast. I'm so happy I almost forgot that you brought it up. I was really dismissive of this when you pointed it out early in the season, right after yeah. the battle with the crab feeder. I'm used to it. You dismiss me all the time. Well, no, we did mention the possibility. Could the crab feeder have had grayscale? Which, number one, we didn't know for sure what he had. He's always wearing that mask. It was nasty, whatever it was. It was gross. It seemed like it. But then the real point was, did Damon catch it? Because there was some stuff on the side of his neck and collarbone area. Mm -hmm. But those scenes, when we were looking at it, was right after he fought a battle. He had blood. Yeah, might have been just dirt. Spattered dirt everywhere. You couldn't really tell. And then they didn't show it again after that. He seemed to be fine. And we said, well, also Targaryens have this thing where they're a bit immune to a lot of common diseases or things other people get. But And then I had kind of thought, well, if anything, him, Rhaenyra, especially Alicent, had close contact with the series for a long time. Could something he have had been catching to them? They all seemed okay. So we let it go. In this episode, if you really watch, pause it at that scene where he's forcing the men to swear their oaths outside, there are red dots very clearly in the shape of a rash. Right side of his neck. Scaly. So you're left. If you're watching. Yep, going up the side of his neck. So, uh, it's something to pay attention to because that could change the storyline. Here's the deal, though. If it is grayscale, it's not going to come into play until season three or four. It can't. I think we need him to be helping. But grayscale is slow moving. Yeah, so, Much like the series is leprosy or whatever that might have been. It might not be quite as slow as leprosy, but it seems like the Westerosi equivalent of it. So he could theoretically have that for a long time. My question is, if he knows that, is this part of what's affecting the way 
he has been choosing to do things emotionally. Like when we saw him with Lena saying, oh, I've decided I need to just get out of politics, settle down. Is part of that that he found out he was ill? He might not have much time left. It really could be impacting things for him in a way that we're not seeing yet, character motivation-wise. And you know what? I'm going to put it... Uh... I'm going to put it on Twitter. I'm going to take a still of it, put an arrow, and write, what's this? So it's everybody retweet it. Not just a minor thing. It was pretty evident he had not just fought anybody. There was no reason to have blood on him. It wasn't anywhere else. <laughs> so, yeah, what's going on with Damon? Back to crowning Rhaenyra, because this is really a pretty strong moment. Everyone does kneel to her, except Rhaenys. And yeah, this, but I didn't take that as a slight. Tell me how you took it, because it's not the only time that that happens this episode. Uh, I, the way she was looking, she's still at this point. I don't think by the end of the episode, but at this point is trying to stay neutral. Which you can't. I, I see that last episode, right? That's why she broke out of captivity from Allison, but refused to torch them. She comes over here. She tells Rhaenyra what's going on, and yet she's sort of sitting on the sidelines. When everybody else is kneeling, she's almost smirking. Like, <sighs> she's enjoying this show, but she doesn't necessarily want to step into the ring yet. Because Renera hasn't shown her yet if she's going to be good. Which I, I also find very frustrating. As somebody who has clearly been in favor of, for a long time, we should do things differently. She herself was almost crowned ruler, although she knew what turmoil that would cause. I think... She still has a bit of personal bias here that she feels the realm will never let them do this. That and also, don't forget, she still thinks that Rhaenyra had her son killed. Yes, that is a big part <laughs> of it. But more so when she's thinking politically, because she is very smart when it comes to that. As much as she's telling Alicent about a woman ruling, I still don't think she 100% buys that that's possible. Mm. But yeah. it's not very respectful or proper that she literally, she doesn't kneel then. She doesn't bow later when they're in the room around the painted table. And everyone's swearing their fealty. And even as her granddaughters are called up to the table by Rhaenyra, she calls Bela and Reyna up. Yeah, but at that point, when we get there, I'll talk about it. But I feel like she was all in. I mean, her husband was all in. Her husband definitely said, oh, what you said to me makes sense. We have to take a stance here. And I did like that moment. We're there, actually, because after the amazing emotional crowning, they go inside what's going to become her queen's council around the painted table. Can we talk about how cool that table is? I want that to be a podcast table. Now, I said that about the Game of Thrones one. It's the same table. But this one lights up. Yeah, so either that's a feature that Stannis never knew about or else it's new since then. <laughs> or that table that we saw in Game of Thrones might be a replica. I mean, how do you... Recreation. Yeah, how do you move that? Yeah. That's a heavy table. Well, it's still at Dragonstone. Oh, that's right. That's, that's where right. he is later. That's why that's we're thinking... Right. Okay. Maybe it's old. It doesn't do yeah, that anymore. Well, I mean, you're just putting candles under it. Yeah, but come on, man. You're like, Siri, turn on table. <laughs> or, yeah, if it's older, Siri... Oh, not Siri, just... The table turns on. Yeah. You got to try a few things. This is an awesome moment, too, because Rhaenyra walks up. She is a little hesitant at first. But she's told their current standings, they have 30 knights, 100 crossbowmen, 300 men-at-arms. Damon realizes this isn't a lot of people. He sent word to his men in the city watch, who used to be loyal, and they have declarations from several houses. So she thinks they will have the errands, because they were sworn to her father in the Erie. River Run, they don't know. 
The Starks, they're sure, are loyal and will follow, and the North will come behind them. Now, not 100% because she's going to send Jace to them later. We have yet to see where that's going to go. She's aware the Baratheons will need to be reminded of their promise. This is such great foreshadowing for a later Game of Thrones future. Mm-hmm. The Baratheons are never going to stay loyal. They're going to wind up teaming up with the Lannisters. They'll all go against the Targaryens someday. But this is their count. Coralies is going to sail for them. He's not here yet to declare his navy, hopefully. The Lannisters are for sure sworn to the Greens. And while this is somewhat good to have the houses on their sides, Damon is aware it's going to come down to dragons. Pray forgive my bluntness, Your Grace, but talk of men is moot. Your cause owns a power that has not been seen in this world since the days of old Valyria. Dragons. The Greens have dragons. They have three well. adults, by my count. We have Cyrax, Caraxes, Melis. Your sons have Veermax, Arax, and Tyraxes. Bela has Moondancer. Damon, none of our dragons have been to war. There are also unclaimed dragons. Sea Smoke still resides on Driftmark. Vermithor and Silverwing dwell on the Dragon Mound. Still riderless. Then there are the three wild dragons, all of whom nest here. And who is to ride them? Dragonstone has 13 to their four. I also have a score of eggs incubating in the Dragon Mound. No. We need a place to gather, a toehold, large enough to house a sizable host. Here at Harrenhal, we cut off the west, surround King's Landing with the dragons, and we could have every greenhead mounted on spikes before the fucking moon turns. So it's sort of like, yes, we can make these political moves, but it's very obviously going to be dragon war. Of course. But Rhaenyra does bring up a good point. These dragons have never seen war. Most of them. It's kind of like when you have an indoor... This is a horrible analogy. When you have an indoor cat mm-hmm. and an outdoor cat, you could see that outdoor cat is way more badass than your indoor cat on the windowsill licking his own asshole. <laughs> if, that, if they go to, Is that what Eric's <laughs> is doing later? If they fight, your indoor cat is going to get his ass kicked. Yeah, except what we didn't anticipate is these dragons actually have a bloodlust all their own, mm-hmm. and even ones that have never fought in battle clearly want to. I did not see that coming, but let's hold that thought. They are trying to prepare for, okay, let's just get our ducks in a row and see what's what when they get word that a ship is approaching, a green one with a three-headed dragon, and it's Otto with a message. Now, I love the way Rhaenyra is dealing with this. She's like, everyone, put your dicks away. <laughs> We're going to chill for a second, all right? Let's take a beat and let's figure out what we have. Wouldn't you want to kill him and everyone approaching on that ship, though? I mean, even herself, she gets close to it with Otto at points. Oh, yeah. I mean, Otto, yeah. He is We're not going to war, but we're going to beat the shit out of Otto. We're going to roast Otto. (laughs) I mean, he says, Aegon is offering terms for peace. Very generous ones if they swear fealty, right? Her sons can be cupbearers. It's like, dude... I love Damon's response to this. I would sooner feed my own kids to my dragons. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, waiting for Damon yeah. to just cut his head off. You're right, Damon. You know what the show does really well here is they give you a location that is familiar. Mm-hmm. We know this location for standoffs. All three of them were here last time. Yeah. Otto, Rhaenyra, and Damon. And Things are a little different. Rhaenyra is arriving with this same power move. Yep. Fly down on my dragon. My dragon's bigger now. He's got awesome landing capabilities, by the way. Cyrax? You know, you say that, but you see Achilles. 
Landing on the weirdest shit. That's exactly why I say yeah, that. It's like amazing. Cyrax is way more graceful than Achilles has well, ever yeah. been. Again, indoor cat. <laughs> Just on that tiny little bridge. He doesn't even knock a ton of rocks off. It's amazing. Uh, he sits there very also attentive to his owner. Now, this made me wonder why such rebellion towards Luke later, if it's because they're both too young, if it's because Luke is not sure enough of himself in commanding Arax, or just the bloodlust having gotten into them because when Cyrax lands on the bridge, he can probably sense Rhaenyra's getting heated. And there's a bunch of people right there, and he is chill as can be. He is not going to fire a breath, same Until as Maylis, yep. with Rhaenys last time. I think it's something to watch out for of how much control command does each rider have of their dragon, when and why. It's just like horses. Think about it, you know? But let's talk about that once we get to that scene. Mm-hmm. With this negotiation, if you want to call it that, Otto also... Yeah, if you want to call it, exactly. <laughs> he sends a note that Allison is giving to Rhaenyra, which is such bullshit. It's this page of the book that they had read together when they were younger mm-hmm. about Princess Nymeria and Rhaenyra sort of saying she wanted to live like that, more free as an adventurer. She's trying to remind her of their bond together. We are so far past this, Allison. Yeah. What is this going to do right now with these bullshit terms he's bringing? Also, Rhaenyra and Damon are still wondering, did she kill him? Viserys. Yeah. Damon's pretty sure that they did. Yeah. Even if it wasn't strangling. We've seen what you were doing. You were hopping him up on some prescription drugs. And they're thinking, isn't this convenient now? In his final breath, supposedly, he said these words. You know, what Rhaenyra does is smart because you can see her getting heated, but she forces Damon to stand down. He really wants to take it to a fight right now. She's hoping there could be a way this doesn't lead to war. And she basically tells Otto, your terms are bullshit, but we're not going to do anything right now. King's Landing will have my answer tomorrow. Yeah. Smart. Look, I'm emotional right now. I need some time to think. I wish I did that I just lost a damn child. I can't think about this clearly. Go away, Mm -hmm. Otto. The three-headed stupid ship. So Damon is obviously frustrated, though, that she's looking for an option that doesn't involve dragon war immediately. They start arguing back inside, and she clears the room so they can talk alone. She tells him, this is bigger than both of their ambitions. He's got to remember that. What about a song of ice and fire? What about these dreams that Viserys told us? And he starts trying to choke her out. Yeah. So... Two things are happening. One, Damon knows nothing about that. Which we had, we had surmised that was probably the case, but this is huge yeah. because Damon was technically Viserys' heir for many years, mm-hmm. and he never told him. And now she's saying, well, every heir learns this news. Didn't Viserys tell you? Because he's like, what are you talking about dreams? I've had enough of this bullshit from Viserys that we're vision seers. We get prophecies. I thought you were going to be a dragon queen. Now you're going to back off now? What's happening? So that's frustrating him. But then the idea that he did give her this important message that he was never privy to, mm-hmm. he just can't handle it. Now, this is clearly not the way to go about it. What he's doing is terrible. But I love her reaction that she is not scared as she must be responding to him. Yeah, but also, Damon, what the fuck, dude? That's what I mean. Uh, He's still like a child. Yeah. Having a temper tantrum. And I'm writing to HBO because I, I that's too much for me to look <laughs> and see it. <laughs> well, I actually do think this is worse as far as he's trying to get control of her, the upper hand. 
in this way, since he can't get it from a battle strategy way. And he's just taking out his anger and rage. Yeah. And that's why she she tries not to react to him, <laughs> to give him that. And as soon as he lets go, she kind of laughs, chuckles, and says, you didn't know, did you? Like, yep. he didn't tell you. And he just says, dreams didn't make us kings, dragons did. He leaves. That's the end of that. Let's shift gears for a moment to the Valerians. At Corley's bedside, when he awakes, Rhaenys comes to tell him, oh, look, you abandoned our family when we needed you most. You've been gone for six years. <laughs> I thought you were going to die. He agrees. He's much like we saw Lenor reacting to Rhaenyra. He wanted to run away from it all, seek adventure at sea. This has always been his way. But he understands that they both almost lost everything. He also learns of his brother's death here. Mm-hmm. Kind of says, what an idiot. Why did <laughs> he, he had that coming, basically. Yeah. Says, you know what? You're right. Let's get out of this political game. Let's live our lives peacefully. But she tells him it's too late for that. Our grandchildren at, are at risk. You saw what happened to our kids. We have to step in here and we have to pick the right side. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm coming to see that Rhaenyra is the only one acting smartly. She's wisely showing restraint. Yeah while all of her other advisors tell her to plunge into war. And this is obviously why she admired Viserys so much for so many years, even though she thinks it should have been her, even though he had a lot of faults with not taking action when he should have, he kept the peace as best as he could. So Corlys goes to their council. He swears the full support of his fleet and their house. Your father's realm was one of justice and honor. Our houses are bound by common blood and common cause. This high tower treason cannot stand. You have the full support of our fleet and house. Your grace. Great scene, by the way. And I really like Corley's. There's something about him that if I was part of this, I would want to follow him. You thought he was dead, by the way, from it, that wound. And No, he's not dead. I'm so glad he's not. I had a feeling they wouldn't just write him out that way. He has this really amazing moment where he tells Rhaenyra, because of his win in the Triarchy, they now have control of the Narrow Sea. This is a big strategic move. They can cut off escape as well as supply to King's Landing. Yeah. The consequence of my near demise in the Stepstones is that we now control them. I took care to fully garrison the territory this time. A total blockade of the shipping lanes will be in place in days, if not already. The Triarchy have been routed. The Narrow Sea is ours. If we further seal the gullet, we can cut off all seaborne travel and trade to King's Landing. He's like, yeah, I almost died, but you know what? I won. It was for a reason. And that she was right that she kept trying to remind the small council... This is important. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. Because this is the only real connection between Essos and Westeros. You hold a lot of power if you hold this area. And now they can effectively create a siege against King's Landing. Starve them out. And it's not the first time we've seen this in war tactics. Yeah, surround them, force them to stand down without having to go in and kill them all. Yeah, you, you wait, starve them out slowly, and then surround them. Well, while you're doing that, you're surrounding them, and you're just waiting. Forcing them to surrender. And hopefully, yeah. This is the move she's been looking for. The in-between of, yes, I want to keep the upper hand, 
but I don't want this to turn into a war where everyone's going to die. I want to be a queen for my people, not kill my people to become queen. Corlys has given her the means to actually do that. They do it right. So she decides now they should move forward with that and also try to shore up some of these other supporters that they could potentially have. Shore up. Pun intended? (laughs) And remind the major houses of the oaths their men took. So Rhaenyra decides to send envoys. Well, she was going to go, actually. She was going to go. kids say. Well, first they're like, no, this is silly. You're the queen. You can't take that mission yourself. Then they're going to send ravens. They're like, guys... Who's going to listen to a raven? We need to actually send people, envoys. And that's when the kids step up, volunteer. But yeah, this is not a good idea. No. I mean, I would say, yeah, okay, guys, but you're not going alone. You're 12. You're my (laughs) sons. Dragons are valuable, even if they're tiny. True. And you couldn't have thought negotiating with Baratheons was going to be a cakewalk. I know, right? Because you were loyal to my father? Guys, not only that, but like we said, she doesn't send them any terms. She just says, remember your oath. You have to make nice with people. Unless you're just going to go in there again and roast them, this is not the middle ground Yeah. of get in line. Get in line or what? What are you going to do with your baby dragon? Is basically baby. what Lord Boros <laughs> with says. With baby dragon and your baby. Right. So, I mean, this is her plan to send Jace north to the Erie and the Arryns and then to Winterfell and Lord Cregan. Luke will go south to Storm's End and the Baratheons. And she takes the boys aside and makes them swear to travel as messengers, not warriors. Again, great advice. What happens if war comes to them, Rhaenyra? Yeah. What are they supposed to do? But it was good. It was sound advice. Don't start any shit. But mom, what do I do if people are starting shit with me? You're saying the whole king is going to be at war and they don't accept us. So you're not really thinking. However, I do have to say for as much shit as Damon's pulling this episode and stupid things as he's doing from a military standpoint, he is smart because Mm -hmm. while she's doing this, which unfortunately he probably would have said he didn't agree to this. He has his own mission. He sees the way this is stacking up, the way the dragon thing might shake out and still actually be against them. Because they need more older, bigger, bigger battle-tested dragons like Vagar. So he goes down under the dragon caves and approaches the last one that they have, Mm -hmm. who is older, has seen a rider before, so maybe could see one again. Turns out it's Vermithor, and he's going to sing him into submission. I have never loved Matt Smith as much as I did. He's amazing. In this moment. I don't care what else he does. I can't help it. I love Damon. Did you see the clip of Matt Smith on the Late Show or Tonight Show? It doesn't matter. Uh, he kept swearing. Finally, Jimmy was like, you, you can't say that. Oh, I want to like, hear it. No, I haven't. And then he was like, oh, I can't swear? And he's like, no. <laughs> By the way, you pull off the hair very well. And, Do you think? Uh, oh, look at this. Are you kidding? So, no, like some angles, like I'm good from the side. I'm quite, it's quite a lot from the front, I think. No, you look cool. That's the first thing I said when I well, saw you. Good I was one. pulling this off. You look really cool. Oh, cheers. Uh, and then you actually, well, everyone kind of has this hair. Kind of. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah, of people yeah. have this style of hair. Takes, Pen- it takes ages to put the wig on. It's a but, but then you, <laughs> But then you skip ahead in time. Yeah. And you have short hair and hell. Yeah, yeah. So I think it looks a bit better. That's, that's, where, that's what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, everyone is uh, still talking about you had an, uh, this is episode three, which I, I've seen. Yeah. So uh, uh, I think there's only four out, but I've, I'm up to episode three, and you had an epic battle. Let's just say that. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, but yeah. But let's just say this the internet went nuts because you have an epic battle, no dialogue in this battle. Yes. But people think that you should win an award just for this scene, even well, that you had no dialogue. You spoke with your acting. It's when I'm at my best, actually, when I don't speak, essentially. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this is real. It's when deal. I come alive. Yeah, it really is when, yeah, yeah. I wish you just came out tonight and just didn't say anything. Yeah, I've been <laughs> really, me too, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've been <laughs> myself all <from> day. <laughs> no. uh, but you do this, and I go, oh, this guy knows how to do it, because you're just a great actor. But I mean, oh, do you know how to fight? Not really. I mean, I had a great stuntman. And then, yeah, you know, you train, you do all that stuff, you swing a sword, and then you get there and you, you know, pray and hope for the best. Yeah. I, do a I, few I, roles, you know, no, put a few I, faces where you grimace. Yeah, no, but you do it so well. And then also, you, you speak another language in this. Yes, which, high, high, high Valerian. Yeah, high Valerian is, yes. is the name of yes, the, yeah. is the language, yeah. Which, which I mean, I can, let me, Nuhoso Deman Kesi Nuhos Demivos Mazilariot Sinulus. <laughs> now that's yeah, uh, say that backwards. It says Paul is dead. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Like, It says Jimmy, you've got glorious eyes. Yeah. <laughs> can you can I can I, can you teach me to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuhoso deman. Nuhoso deman. Whoa, yeah, that's good, that bro. Good. That's a good start. Really? Yeah. I've never done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kesi nuhos. Kesi nuhos. Demivos. Demivos. Mazilarios. Mazilarios. Sinulus. Sinulus. Yeah. No, I can say that. And actually, it means. No, wait, what, what did I just say? It means, it, it, it means one day this chair will be mine. <laughs> Although I'd I, I butcher your job in truth. I couldn't do it. I'd yeah, be you terrible. can do it. I, I don't know. Uh, you can do anything you want. You have your own dragon. What are we talking about? Come true on, enough, bud. True enough. Uh, what is it? What is what is your dragon's name again? He's called Caraxes, and he's sort of uh, he's like an avatar of Damon, really. He's really grumpy, volatile, yeah. cynical. A real and do, do you act with a uh, a, a, a like a, a tennis, real a tennis ball dragon. on a stick or? Uh... Yeah, no, it's like a. I mean, well, so like they build like a plinth basically, which is like twenty foot in the air, and it's like a kind of bucking bronco in a boozer in a in a in a pub. Yeah. And then they like there's a guy with a remote control. He's like moving it around. He's really pleased with his life, obviously, because he's moving you around. Yeah, it's a great gig. It's a great job, isn't oh my it? Let's, God. Yeah, and he probably hates me. He's like, and I'm like, go faster, mate. And yeah. then, you know, they fire oh, so a load. So you're riding on it? Yeah, 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 like a like Bronco. A... Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So you're just, wow, so you're And then they pulled... fire wind and rain, and then after 10 hours, you're like, get me the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> you got to watch your mouth on this show. Sorry, oh I God. know. We can't, oh, God, yeah, we can't swear, can no. we? Sorry. You... Sorry, America. Can <laughs> they bleep the me out? the king is watching, he'll be so upset. He will be. He'll Seriously, be Matt Smith singing in high Valyrian to get control over a dragon? So cool. This is a winning moment for me. A huge, giant dragon. This could turn out bad, but he's got... Or it could change the game, and he knows that. Yep. But here's our question. Is he going to ride two dragons? Uh, We'll get to it. I don't know. Let's finish off with our last unfortunate scene. Luke arrives at Storm's End with this message. The problem is Lord Boros doesn't care to hear him because Aemon is already there with Vagar and a marriage offer. He's empty-handed. So Boros basically sends him away. I've heard enough. However, Aemond isn't going to let it end that easily. He calls him back, saying he wants retribution. Luke should take out his own eye. That'll be payment enough. 
he's ready to go through with this when Boros luckily stops them, saying, we're not doing this in my hall. He came as an envoy. That's I enough. I don't think he was ready to go through with it. I think he was going to fight him. Aemond was oh, going to see yes. this through. Oh, I thought you meant... Oh, no, Luke was trying to get out of there, yeah, but yeah. Aemond was not going to just let that end until Boros stopped it. He sends Luke out. Luke runs into the storm, taking off on Arix, and we do see before he gets on him. He's concerned the dragon is out of sorts because of the storm. He's telling him, you got to mind me. Calm down. Listen to what I'm saying. Uh, the storm and he knows that Vagar's going to probably come out and fuck with him. Well, that is the shot when he's about to take off and the lightning flashes. And in the background of him rising up, we see Vagar. But this is so Good well shot. Lord. It starts the tension when he's, well, in the room. And then he runs out and he's trying to talk to his dragon. Just like you would talk to a horse. You go, easy boy. We're gonna. And I'm, my heart's beating. And I'm like, oh, shit. Shit's going to happen. This little dragon's dope. Don't kill him. They would be spooked by a natural thing like this, probably a storm. You know, you see birds and other creatures, if they're flying, that's going to mess their shit all up. And yeah, you really get this size differential that is quite ridiculous. I mean, it's it's like a child toy dragon next to Vagar. So Luke takes off. We see Aemon jump on Vagar, start pursuing. Initially, they're just narrowly avoiding staying away from Vagar. But the more this goes on, the more we see Arax is fast and he's starting to lose him in the clouds. It looks like Luke could be okay if they could just run away fast enough because as badass as Vagar is, she's old. She's mm-hmm. not that fast. Yeah, but once she starts moving... It, it... Eh, she's moving, but Arax could outrun her if that's their only goal. Yes. Within the cover of a storm, it seemed like that was going to work. And what happened was... Arax started doubling back in the wrong direction towards Vagar. And you see Luke start looking like he doesn't know where they are, what's going on, he can't see, and then Vagar pops up out of nowhere because they've literally doubled back and now are flying almost right into her. Yeah. And when Arax sees her, he breathes fire at her. So he, here's this is what I gather. My dragon, come on! It's a teenager who's pissed off. and He's like, you're not going to bully me! Are you seeing the size of this thing? I know. It's a teenagers are dumb. At they don't know. First I was saying maybe she maybe Arix was just frightened, startled, like initial reaction was to breathe fire, but he keeps going like he wants a fight, the way little dogs will against bigger dogs. Exactly. And I think what happened was Vagar gets pissed and it the war dragon steps in. Even though he has a driver, I don't think he respects that driver. It as was much never as he used his to. first. And he's just like I'm old. I'm pissed off, and I don't give a shit. brought me out here in a storm. This little dragon's going to get it. But I do think it's showing, when push comes to shove, these dragons actually want to fight. This Mm. is what they're built for. They have a bloodlust. I didn't know they would have such a bloodlust for each Each other. other. That's major for other dragons, and that when that starts happening, they may not listen to their riders at all. The only time we'd ever seen this is with Danny, who always seemed to be in full control of those dragons. Yeah. But the only dragons they were seeing were their siblings, mm-hmm. which maybe they're more loyal to ones they have grown up with, ridden with forever. Um, Eric doesn't know Vagar. And then clear enemies that you want them roasting. So we never had the opportunity to see what would happen in a situation like this. But Eric is doing the wrong thing, and you see Luke saying, no, no, mind me, stop doing that. And then Vagar turns around to retaliate. And you actually see Eamon doing the same thing. No, no, stop. When he realizes what's about to happen, it's 
way too late, way too quick. Vagar just chomps Arax right in half. Yeah. Killing them both. Arax, I think after he breathed fire, he realized he's like, oh, shit, that didn't do anything. And then he was trying to bounce and it was just too late. Literally half a morsel. It's like a mini Snickers bar. It's like Achilles biting us. It's like, hey, man, come on. No, I mean, Vagar, it's not even a half a bite for him. For sure. And I couldn't tell, and I honestly don't want to know, that he clearly snapped the dragon in half. But to me, I thought he didn't get Luke, and Luke was just falling out of the sky, which he might have been. They didn't really show us what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, regardless, he's dead. But a couple of thoughts came to mind. One, am I going to be able to handle season two? Because I don't like dragons dying. There's going to be a lot of that. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of it. Two, thank God they didn't make me fall in love with Luke's dragon, because I barely knew him. But there's others that you probably will. Yep. Uh, Three, amazing. Looked amazing. How many gold dragon coins did they spend on that scene? How much do you hate Vagar? Because we hate Aemond. And now Vagar's killed somebody. So it's like the pair of them. Yeah. Seemingly undefeatable, but you want them taken out now. Yep. Also, uh, is every dragon fight going to be either the dark of night or inclement weather? Because way better in the storm, though, than at pitch black nighttime. Yes. And the reason why I bring that up, and it's of no fault, it costs a lot of money and it's easier to get away with it. Because if you remember in Game of Thrones, when we finally had dragon fights, most of it was at night or you during a storm. You couldn't see that, though. Like, this is way better. Listen, Dance of the Dragons, you need to have battles. You need to show it next season. And you need to be able to see a good amount of it. So... Y- Hopefully this is showing you're getting it under control because that's not going to work any other way. Eamon was just trying to bully him and scare him. But he was trying to do it on a dragon. Come on. And you, can't, you just started a war, kid. You can't take it this far and then say, whoops, but I didn't mean him to kill him. Yeah. It, you can't do that. It's too late at this point. Now, if I was him, there's no cameras, there's no internet. I would just not say anything. <laughs> The last anybody saw at Storm's End was oh, Luke true. running off on a dragon and then, oh, where's oh, Eamon going right. on Vagar? You're right. You're right. <laughs> Boros is going to be like, Rhaenyra, I swear I didn't do it. It wasn't me. This is what I saw. Well, as we mentioned, it's not quite the big battle scene I was thinking that we might end on, but it is some good dragon fighting. It, I think it's a great way to end. It gives us an idea of what's to come. I wish... We had gotten to see what's going on with Jace, although I'm eager for that in the next season. But as far as just what we got here, we'll talk this season as a whole later. For episode 10, what is your Dragonfire rating? I'm not going to lament on it. I'm going to go equal to the highest I've done this season and say 9-2. It was intense. I was fully into the episode. I now have my sides. Oh, they weren't clear before? They were clear, but you know (laughs) what I mean. I was, I think in season one, two, I mean, in episodes one through three or four, I was saying, I don't know what side to take. I don't know who's good. Who's mm. bad. Well, my highest so far has also been your highest, which was eight, Lord of the Tides. I gave that a nine, four and you a nine, two. I don't think this was my favorite episode of the entire season. It's close. It's a good ender. So I'm going to go just a tiny bit below and give it a 9.3. Yeah, that's where I was stuck. It's not my favorite episode, but it had some of my favorite scenes. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Except for eight, that scene was insane. And I mean, this final scene, two years from now, when season two finally comes out, we're going to remember that. We're not going to be like, what happened again at the end? Oh, yeah. And let's not forget the last, actual last scene was Rhaenyra pissed off 
And I think she's ready to go to war. Oh, that now. shot of her face. Yeah, wow. scary. Oh, also, ding, number three, another child. So she's lost three people in this one and a dragon episode and a dragon and essentially lost her seat at the throne right now. Mm. So that's a lot of loss. So what was 13 to 3 is now 12 to 3. Well, Clatchers, it's that time where we hear your thoughts. So for the final time, let's go over to Twitter at CKC Podcast and find out who your MVBs are. Starting with episode 9, we gave you Rainies, Alicent, and Otto. Coming in in last place with 0% is Otto. Thank goodness. Then second place with 27.8% is Alicent. Now, understandably, with our things, it's not like who's your favorite person in that episode. It's who drove the story along or who won that episode. So I can understand that 27.8%. I mean, Alicent moved all the pieces in her favor. And it's still low considering that was the Green Council. It was her episode. Also, Yeah, because we're humans and we're also like, fuck you. I hate her. Yeah, it's a fair reaction. And also fair, coming in first with 72.2% is Rainies. If only she just dracares everybody. Yeah, that's what we want to happen, but still a spectacular moment for her. Katie Weaver says, HRD is blasting into the finale. Literally dragon floor-busting drama. <laughs> setting us all up for our dragon wars. Bring it on. Hell yeah. Sherry Ava, how long will Eamon support his brother's unfit tendencies when he was clearly prepared to be king his entire life. Who's the next to get chomped out by Vagar? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> my brother. She continues to say, I vote for Queen Alicent as MVB in episode nine. She misunderstands and changes the course of history. Her eyes open to the deception that surrounds her. She beats her father at his own game and debases herself for the upper hand or upper foot. <laughs> Aegon will be king. Debasing everyone by putting Aegon on the throne. This kid is just going to be the worst. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she goes on to say that Aegon is a cruel deviant and despite his protests, relishes his newfound power. Queen Allison is destined to be a pawn. Lastly, just have to mention the cringeworthy moment with Larry Strong and his foot fetish. Yes. MVB for gifts. He just... This season, Sherry. He definitely Ava. makes everyone's skin crawl, right? Yeah. Chris, can I write in Lord Beesbury? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he made the most of his five minutes, and his words of reason earned him a council marvel through the skull. And the former oh. Lord Commander, the two of them just trying so hard to be like, this yeah. is ridiculous. And Sarah says, 100% Rainies for the last scene alone. She looked so powerful on Dragonback in her battle gear. I sure do wish she burned everyone in that room, but I guess it would defeat the purpose of the next three seasons. True and true. Well... Jay, you want to go ahead and just make it official, our MVB? Rainies. It sure is. Uh, just because I can't allow myself to like to vote for Allison. I just can't do it. Yeah, she was the best. Rainies was the best one in this episode. And the season finale where I actually wrote series finale like an asshole. Good job. I spelled everything right. Rhaenyra and Damon, Aemond and Vagar, Luke and Arax, Rainies and Coralise. And how fun that actual potential pairings in the future of this show could be Ryder and Dragon. We sort of wanted to set that up because I think it is going to be strongly that way, uh, regardless of how in tune they are with each other. We see that and kind of fitting that tied for last place, both Eamon and Vagar and Luke and Arax at 8.2%. Oh, and you did spell Arax wrong, dear. Oh, shit! Two R's, not two A's. I give up. <laughs> you got real close. <laughs> I suck. Uh, second, pl second place is Rainis and Coralise. Hell yeah. 
Uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without duo, them. Yet again. And they are the strongest allies to have. But coming in first place, 55.1%, a little choking aside, is Rhaenyra and Damon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they had their moments, for sure. Things are not perfect between them. But they're going through a lot right now. Yep. If they can manage to stay even somewhat together... Um, to wage this war that they're going to need to against everyone else, losing so much, all of the baggage they're bringing into it. I give them credit just for trying. Well, Lewis, classic J <laughs> for my yeah. mistake. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Lewis. Also, Katie Weaver says, Christina wanted them to make us care about the dragons. Well, we cared. We were cheering on Arax. Fly, little dragon, go. Be nimble, be fleet. Oh, no. We were rooting for that kid and his dragon. Damn, season two is going to be hard to watch. It's going to be so hard to watch. The more that they make you care, though, the more invested in a moment like that you are. Yes. I mean, we knew Luke and Arax probably least out of all these. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Sherry Ava, this episode... This gift! <laughs> <laughs> her gifts. Uh, this episode starts with Rhaenyra losing a baby symbolic of losing her father and the kingdom. It ends with the loss of her son, Lyceris, foretelling the loss of her restraint and even her sanity. Mm-hmm. Every child knows that the Targaryens dance too close to madness. Well, what would you do if it was you? I don't blame her. Well said. I would start tracarising things. <laughs> she says, I templar- temporarily stopped watching after Prince Luke was sent to House Baratheon. So young and innocent, it felt like the Red Wedding. Yes. Mm. Why did they try to show us Aemon's surprise remorse after Luke dies? After stealing Vagar, he fought and choked Jace, tried to kill him with a rock in episode 7. So why show his humanity at the end of 10? You know, Sherry, this is a good question. I think, as I said, it was not to try to make us feel for Aemon. Clearly, we're too far gone in the other direction. But rather to show us how little control sometimes they do have of these dragons. We remember Viserys saying that is a thing we should have never trifled with. To think they were under our control was our own wishful thinking, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think we get to see that for the first time, that he's going, oh, shit, I didn't actually want him to do that. Why isn't he listening to me? And how much do the other writers know about stuff like that? I think it's more of a foreshadow. And yeah, Katie says, even Eamon knows he crossed a line and started a war. It's not remorse for Luke, but for himself, being the one who started that which is to come. I think that could be true, too. I mean, yeah. Allison and the rest of the kingdom are going to hate him for this. I mean, Otto is probably going to be thrilled. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you idiot. So, who's your dream team MVB? You know what? I'm going to go a little different this time, and I'm going to say Rhaenys and Corlys. I thought you might. Uh, they set up the first steps in the war as far as having some kind of leg up, choking them out for food and resources. Uh, They're definitely the ones winning the most, the best power couple at the end here, I agree. But I'm going to have to give it to Rhaenyra and Damon. Like I said, I give them credit for all they are enduring and trying to figure this out. Uh, I think Rhaenyra is about to lose it. Damon probably is going to love that. Although, won't it be interesting if she flips and he's now the one that has to hold her back? Yeah. I can't wait to see where that goes next season. Now, Jason, we got... One more time, a contest between you and I. We are not going to see the full fruits of this until our bonus episode, where we will read out the entire season showdown. But we have to give our answers for 9 and 10, so... Oh, you mean the summary showdown! That's right, one more time. So for episode 9, 
I have, are you sure? With his own eyes, your grace. Who knows? Uh, it's the worst for Ooh, me. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we close with, open the doors! Oh, no. <laughs> and I had such a plethora here. I was having trouble choosing. I might actually need your help. And the first one I know isn't it. I just liked it. I am Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. I recognize no authority but the king, and until there is one, I have no place here. I like that. But the other three, I think, are all contenders. There is no power but what the people allow you to take. Mm-hmm. There is a beast beneath the boards. Okay. Which was great for the episode, probably not for the season. And this is what I'm leaning towards. It is our fate to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away. And that seems to have been the back and forth going on that's starting all of these battles. Okay. Rhaenyra and Alicent, the kids, the dragons, our own insecurities, our own fear. I need to one-up that person. I need to take what they have. Or sometimes it's just out of selfishness and arrogance like Otto. Mm-hmm. Well, I, sh- I sh- why not have it? So that's the one? I think it's going to be our fate. Yes. Okay. All right. Mm, I don't entirely agree, but I don't entirely disagree either. <laughs> okay. Episode 10, I have, there you are. The sea snake is going to die, isn't he? No. And, no, Eric, serve me. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, Vagar, no. Serve me, Vagar, no. <laughs> that sums up, I think that's perfect. That sums up the episode. Yeah, it's a mouthful, but it's a good ending. Uh, this is the time where I swoop in to win it, though. Again, pun intended. <laughs> the runner-up was, we don't choose our destiny, it chooses us. But the winner has to be. Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. Okay, I can dig that. All right. I mean, we have to end on a dragon phraseology, you gotta, right? You gotta. Uh, we started teaser for our full showdown with the only thing that could tear down the house of the dragon was itself. Mm, so and we know that's that's the gonna truth. cap off my summary showdown real well. You gotta stay tuned for our full read through that we'll have on the bonus episode. At that time, we will also talk about our season rankings. Where did we wind up at the end of it all for you, myself, and the critics? Who is our season MVB? And I think we're actually going to save our full dragon count breakdown for then. I know we were hoping to do it now, but there is so much to cover. And I really want to give some time to talk about who's on whose team. Which dragons are young versus old versus battle-tested? Who did they belong to? That's going to be a really fun conversation. Over at Twitter, we're going to ask you guys, do you have any final thoughts, any opinions, anything you want to get off your chest? Let us know for that podcast. Full death count we need to do, predictions for next time, because we're not book readers, so we don't know. So you can obviously tweet at us with your thoughts, or you could email us, contact at coffeeclutchcrew.com, or... We didn't get any phone calls this season. Call us. Hopefully for that. Yeah, that's going to be all this stuff. We're saving the best for the bonus. 252-368-6606. Leave a message. Make mistakes. I'll edit it out. Don't worry. Let us hear your voice. Till next time. This round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC podcast. This round is on me.
try again.